Today is like one of those movies where they start it with the end of the story, and then the second scene is some kind of a panel that says, five years before or 50 days before. You know what I'm talking about? Where they show you the end of the movie, but then they say, oh, this is how you're going to get there. I mean, if you think about it, you showed up this morning. We're in our whites. We got the flowers. We got brass. We got music. We've got the silverback. No more everyday wear of Lent. It's Easter. We can say, Alleluia, and we're excited. But before we even get to the gospel, we realize that the disciples and Mary are not at all excited. It's like the gospel says, hold it a minute. Because Pentecost really is that day when they're all excited and they're running into the streets with courage, feeling that they really know the fullness of the risen Christ. And they're running into the streets. But today, they're running into uncertainty. And so we give you all these images and then say, stop. Because Easter, we realize from the story, is not a three-day affair from Good Friday. Think about the story. Mary goes to the garden. She is wanting to sit vigil with her beloved. She sits there and she gets there and realizes the tomb is empty. And there can be only one explanation because her mind has not had any ability to have a capacity to think about anything else. Jesus is gone. The only explanation is that someone's taken the body. And so she runs back to the disciples and says, he's been stolen or something. We've got to figure out what's happening. And then they begin to run back. And Jesus is nowhere to be seen. The beloved disciple gets to the tomb. He kind of gets to the door and stops. I'm wondering what he's thinking, like, it's awfully dark in there. I don't know if I want to go in there. I don't know what to expect. Peter comes barreling up, and Peter goes in, and he walks in, and he sees the linen wrappings. He sees the head wrapping. And he kind of thinks, I don't know. But I wonder also if he's not thinking, I don't know what's going on, but given the last few days, I don't know that I want any part of this. I think I just want to get out of here. The beloved disciple then looks, and it says one of those great pregnant lines in scriptures. He believed, though he didn't understand. And I'm wondering what's going on in the beloved's mind. The beloved disciple sitting there and thinking, I don't know what this is all about, but is there something in his heart connection to Jesus that goes, nothing more than, hmm, I don't understand, but I'm going to believe. And then in one of perhaps the most uninspiring verses in the Bible, what do they do? They just go home. You know, they're not shouting, hallelujah, Christ is risen. They're not excited. They're like, I wonder what's on TV this afternoon. <laughs> and they leave and they're unknowing. Mary stays put. She's going to hang around. Hopefully someone will show up. Someone will make some sense of what in the heck is going on. 
And so she looks back in and she sees the two angels and they say, why are you weeping? And you can imagine what your response would be. You can fill in the blank. What do you mean, why am I weeping? These last three days have been enough of an indecency and an obscenity. And now they're heaping more obscenity on this death, this violent act. What more do they want to do? And then she hears another voice behind her, and she looks around, supposing this guy to be the gardener, who says, what are you doing here? And I'm thinking, here's Mary, who doesn't recognize the risen Christ, who her soul has been knit to. And I find myself wondering, how many times does Jesus appear to us and we simply dismiss him because we don't recognize him or don't expect him? Surely Jesus wouldn't be here. I mean, have you ever found yourself in a situation and you want to say, Jesus, if this is you, I'm going to be really ticked off? <laughs> Hypothetically speaking, of course. <laughs> but how many times would we think, that, that can't be Jesus? That can't be the risen one? And so she begins to engage, and again, why does she not recognize this person? But when he says her name, she goes, ah, that voice, I know. It must be you. And he says, yeah, it's me, but you can't hold on to me. And again, if I were Mary, my fingers would be so deep into Jesus. No, you're not leaving again. What do you mean I can't cling on to you? What do you mean I can't hold you? And he's saying, you can't hold what you think you are seeing right now because it's not enough. And if you hold and grasp onto this image saying this is what's happening, you're going to miss it. And so she heads back to the disciples and tells them what she's seen. And so begins their pilgrimage into Easter. Over the next 50 days in the stories, they will see the risen one many times. And in fact, they will see the risen one many times and still not recognize him. Because it will only be the collection of the stories, the gathering of the appearances from each of the different groups that will begin to make some sense of something of a whole, of a, of a unified sense that's so much larger than any one of them could have encountered. And so what we're hearing in this story today and what we will hear over the next 50 days is that Easter indeed is not a three-day journey from Good Friday, but it is a 50-day pilgrimage of stories. For the disciples, it's that gathering of stories like you know, the resurrected one, it's kind of like that day we were in the cemetery and suddenly we began to recognize. And then some other folks in the community will say, you know, the risen one, it was like that day we were walking on the road and we met this stranger and we just started talking with this stranger who seemed to be pretty oblivious if you ask me, but yet when we started talking about the scriptures, our hearts just began to burn. Someone else will say, you know, it was, the risen Christ was like that day. We just went back to work because we had no idea what else to do. Everything was lost. Let's just go back to our lives. And then suddenly we can't haul enough of the fish in. There's so many of them. And we go to the shore, and there's this meal, and suddenly we recognize. And some others will say, 
You know, when we huddled in that room because we were so afraid of what's out there in the world, all the news stories, everything we're hearing, and we were all gathered, locking the door because we were so afraid. And then suddenly, as we kept looking at each other, we began to recognize what was in our midst. And it's the collection of the stories that leads them on this pilgrimage that will lead them to Pentecost. And what they're realizing is they must go into the world, they must show up with one another, and they must tell their stories. Now, two sidebars. One, how many times have we thought that, you know, what you do with the faith pilgrimage is you show up in church and you hear about God and then you go out in the world to serve? That, you know, most of us, probably 80% of us or more, were brought up with that. And this turns that on its head. It says, you don't come here to find the risen Christ. You go out there. It's in the streets. It's in the cemeteries. It's at work. And then what you do is you gather back here and you try to make sense of what you saw. And you gather the collected stories to make some sense of where is God? Who is God? How is God engaging us? This is where we kind of do the reflection. But it's out there where the risen Christ exists and will be found. One other part of that sidebar. Episcopalians, we've said this before, often get nervous with that word testimony, you know, like it's a southern thing. Remember when we moved from the north and my friend said, watch out, those southerners, they'll try to save you. And they did. My gosh. What can I say? They started telling me their testimonies because they started talking about Jesus. And I actually started to listen. And what this story is saying is that the only way we are saved, the only way that we will find resurrected life is by sharing our testimonies. By saying, this is where I encountered the risen Christ. Where did you? Without doing that, we're lost. Easter as pilgrimage. It makes sense. If we've spent the 40 days of Lent trying to shed, trying to turn from those things that we know are killing us, turning from those things that we confessed on Ash Wednesday, those things like our lack of concern for the planet and consequently our lack of concern for those who come after us, the way we treat one another in word and deed, the way we are afraid to love God with our whole heart. And we spend those 40 days saying, help us to shed that and to turn from it. Well, it only makes sense that it would take us about 50 days in a pilgrimage to figure out how to repair and to rebuild and reimagine some other way of living. 40 days of shedding, 50 days of pilgrimage, 40 days of stepping away from our fears, 50 days of stepping into our courage. And what we find is that that path is our baptismal covenant. It's all right there. It's something we'll renew in a moment. But what we find in these collected stories is that if we want to see the risen Christ, it's going to be about the practices we choose and the ways we choose to understand things. And so we say the pilgrimage of Easter Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of the bread and the prayers? Will you get together 
Will you share the stories? Will you break the bread and contemplate what you're seeing? If you want to see the risen Christ, if we want to see the risen Christ, will you seek and serve Christ in every human being? Will you expect that in every human being, the risen one will be right before you? Will we do that as a community? Will we not dismiss someone because we think there must only be a gardener? Seek Christ in every human being. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people? That's the path to recognizing the risen one. Well, last night at the Easter Vigil and this morning at 9, we baptized six new folks from adults to infants into the body of Jesus. And in so doing, we were proclaiming to them that they can know and believe in the risen Christ in their life. And they will find out that that's true to the degree that we continue to go into the world expecting to see the risen Christ. Like Mary and Peter and the other disciple, we have to go out and not cling to what we think we're going to see or what we want to see. We simply have to go out there expecting to see. And so today, we've been shown the end of the story. And today, our Easter pilgrimage begins.